yo, what's poppin' ATL gang? It's your boy Tuan, coming to you live from Ontario, Canada. I'm back home for a week, so you know I had to make a stop at the shop with my boy Nav. So nice to be able to record with him in person, talk about the first round, wrap that up, and then, you know, give you guys a preview and predictions of round number two. Um, the top eight teams are left, and, you know, we, we really drill down to everything, so... Really hope you guys enjoy this one. This is probably one of my favorite pods in a really long time. Just be able to see, you know, Nav and shoot the shit and have a few drinks and, you know, chat it all up. So hope you guys enjoy. Thanks for listening and peace. Welcome back to another episode of the ATL podcast. I've been super excited to record this episode because Nav and I are finally back together live in the studio for the first time in a very long time with the first round wrapping up and second round underway we're ready to talk hoops so nav super excited to be in the shop again it's been i don't know a few months so what's going on baby what's going on man for those of you who are listening i'm just giving tuan a nice pound right now it's uh, it's been a while man it's good to see you in person it's been so long but you know seeing you here kind of feels like we were here yesterday i know it, it brings back good memories yeah, I mean, late, it late really nights, does. Late nights in the shop, 10 p.m. or 7, 8 a.m. in the morning on a Sunday. So, yeah, man, it's always been nice to be back. Nice to catch up with everyone. And, yeah, man, what's going on? How, how's everything? Good. Can't complain. We were in Buffalo yesterday for a wedding. Go Buffalo Bills. Um, no, it was a good time. Uh, what else? I mean, not much. Just same old, same old. I know I know you got some vacation plans coming up. What's, what's going on with that? We do. We're going to Florida in... About a week, we're going to spend the weekend with Justin and Danielle, Shona and I, and then Justin and I are going to uh, meet up with some buddies and play golf for four days. Should be good. Have you been playing uh, much at the... Courses are starting to open up now. Courses, yeah. Yeah, starting to open up. So I haven't actually played outside yet, but uh, definitely looking forward to it. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, man. What's up with you? It's back home. Back home in rainy Kitchener. You know, missing that 25 degree weather in LA, but... Just nice to see everyone again. Caught up with George. You know, he got a new place, just got engaged. Caught up with them. My buddy John just celebrated his birthday. So we were up in Hamilton, just chilling, catching up. So just slowly, yeah, just seeing everyone whenever I can and flying back in a few days. Man, tell us about meeting Magic Johnson. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, the opportunity came up for our team. Like we uh, were all kind of like officially coming back to work. So our Adidas basketball team just decided to, or they've had this in plans in the works for a while. They wanted to do it back in January when we had like our first um, intro back into like the workplace, but that got pushed back because of all the COVID stuff. So uh, I think it was two weeks ago where we went down the street, uh, downtown LA, and he had us in one of like the hotels up there. His like whole staff was there and they just seated like 50 of us on the basketball team gave like a two hour, I don't know, not even presentation, but it was just like him talking to us, giving us like his backstory, how he grew up in Michigan, how he's, you know, played for uh, Michigan and his roots back there. And now how he's kind of built out his own, his own empire, all these businesses from Burger King to infrastructure and working Isn't with- is a big work- Starbucks guy too? Oh yeah, he has a bunch of, yeah, Starbucks. Yeah, Starbucks was a big topic out there too. So a lot of the people that we were working with just ask questions about business, how he got started, like his his method behind it, the madness. So 
it was really cool, man. Really cool opportunity to just be able to get a picture with them and just ask them some questions and just yeah have that cool interaction with someone pretty big within the basketball community. Is he an Adidas guy? So he played in Converse's for the majority of his career, but I think he's a free agent. I think he's kind of did this as a like a favor to our general manager. Um, I think they're buddies. So yeah, we were we've had this in the plans for the last few months, so it all just kind of worked out. But I think yeah, it's, it feels weird to ask or to, to like say that this this older basketball player is with Adidas or Nike, but like Kareem is has a lifetime deal with Adidas. Uh, but I think Magic is a free agent, so he could. You know, he's a big, um, obviously huge, huge um, basketball icon. So having him on the roster would be pretty awesome. But yeah, especially with all the stuff re- uh, re- uh, revolving around his Winning Time documentary uh, or show, he has like a Apple TV Magic Johnson documentary that's out too. So a lot, he's he's around the media a lot right now. So yeah, well, I think. Um... That's a like so winning time. I don't think he has his fingerprints on that show. Um, I'd be shocked because I don't think they really portray him in the best way. Yeah. Nor do they really portray anyone in that show in the best way. The show's out of control. If you haven't seen it, you definitely got to watch it. But one of the things that they do mention is that um, when he was in his rookie year, he was signing. He was getting endorsement offers from like Converse and Adidas and Nike. And I guess he passed up on a mega. Mm. Well, at the time it didn't seem big, but he would have had like. A lot of equity in Nike, and I guess like his deal would have been valued at like a billion dollars today. Yeah. So it's it's pretty crazy, uh, and it's kind of crazy that when you think Jordan, you know, Jordan just like took a leap of faith and jumped on with Nike, and it paid huge dividends. Yeah. Um, he was very close to being able to do the same. Yeah. No, the the Jordan thing still stings a little bit because I know he he wanted to be an, an Adidas athlete. That's what they say. Yeah. And um, yeah, he was he was wearing Adidas at North Carolina. He wanted to be a big ambassador, but the the heads at Adidas kind of went a different direction. So you know that's the, that's the one that we're trying to recover from. Uh, but it I, stings. I, yeah, it stings. It stings <laughs> even like thirty whatever plus years ago. But you know it is what it is. We we got we, we got some moves coming up coming up. So yeah, man. What's this sweater you're wearing? Human race. Uh, Human race is our brand with like Rel. Okay, true. Rel. I was wondering. Rel. Yeah, I've seen you wearing a couple of those things. Yeah. So he, have you met him yet? No, no, I haven't. But I know he's been in Portland. He's been in our like German offices, like for like surprise appearances. Um, but I'm sure, I'm sure because the Pharrell team, Beyonce team, the Yeezy team, and our basketball team are gonna sit together um, in the LA office. So that's oh, sick. Hopefully. I didn't know Beyonce with, was with Adidas. Yeah, she has a damn. She has a yeah collaboration with us. Interesting. Yeah, that's so, crazy, man. And everything in LA is good. Everything's good. Man, I gotta come. I gotta come down and meet. We gotta figure out a time to no, we gotta get do a little, little busy. We gotta get the boys over there. Yeah, no, for sure. For I sure. heard you're going to Halifax for Murphy's wedding. I am. No I way. Sure that's gonna I be a sure blast. I that's sure gonna am. be a really good time. I'm so jealous that you yeah. guys are doing that trip. No, I sure am. No, I was. Uh, I, I was always planning to go. I just didn't know who else was gonna be there. And then I just started kind of reaching out to to the boys and figure out, hey, like let's figure out accommodations, um, arrangements so that we can all be be there together. So. Yeah, I'm excited. That's I'm, my, I'm that's, so that's, jealous. That's Unreal next, city, man. That's my next trip out. And I was hoping to be out there sometime with you because I know that's kind of your your spot and you always talk it so highly of that area. So um, unfortunately, we can't do it. But, you know, come to L.A. and we'll, uh, we'll figure something out. 100%, man. 100%. We, uh, we got some good basketball on today. Golden State's playing Memphis right now. 
but uh, well, we got a lot of round one to recap, eh? Yeah, let's let's uh, yeah, let's get into the round one recap. A lot went down. I think it was probably a little more disappointing than you know it was. It was anticipated that gonna be a lot of good matchups, a lot of game sevens, but none of that really happened. But still, <laughs> you predicted like every <laughs> round going game seven. I, I was so uncertain of some of those, so I'm like, all right, let's just go game seven. Uh, but yeah, first round matchups. Let's start from the top. Miami, Atlanta. I didn't think you know this was gonna be too competitive a series, but I didn't really think Trey Young would get shut down the way that he did. You know, Miami totally uh, blocked them out of the, the, their t- entire game plan, and they beat them four one with Trey hitting a floater in game three to to beat Miami by one. But other than that, a very tough series for Trey Young and the Hawks. Again, a pretty disappointing season in series for them, especially going to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Had a lot of hype going into this year, and they kind of fell flat, especially early on in the regular season. Um, What was your biggest takeaway, either from the Miami or Atlanta side of of things here. Yeah, with Atlanta, it was just all bark, no bite. And like you said, there was so much... There's a lot of anticipation for Atlanta going into the playoffs because they finished the regular season trending upwards, and people thought that they were sort of going to put on that playoff hat that they put on last year. And, you know, people were kind of like, watch out for Trey Young. When it comes, you know, when the lights are bright, he always shows up. And the opposite was true. And I think, I think what it just did was accelerate the inevitable, I think, Atlanta is a super young team that just doesn't have the the maturation of some of the other young teams in the league, like Memphis, for example. You know, you would think that, you know, their trajectory is sort of on the same pace, but clearly Memphis has figured out the, the maturity aspect of the game and Atlanta's struggling with that. Uh, Trey Young just doesn't seem to be the the leader that I think people want him to be. And I think that they're just gonna have to trade a couple of their pieces in the offseason because they got some they got some pieces that other teams would really, really desire. And I think for them, they could just use some older parts. Yeah. It would be I, a win-win. I, I think a bit of last year kind of hurt them because they were quickly accelerated to that level where they're, you know, their uh, expectations are super high. And John Collins played really well last, last uh, postseason, and he got a huge contract this year. So, And he hasn't, he, again, he's been injured a little bit. He doesn't really fit in too much with kind of what they're trying to do. He's more of like a tweener, I would say. So he, he didn't really show up this series and... Yeah, I think they're just young. They're still young, and yeah, I just, I just don't think, I don't think these guys are the future of Atlanta basketball. Unfortunately, like you give a, like you trade a guy like Gallo to another team, you can get a lot of pieces for that. Sure. Trade a guy like John Collins to another team, you get a lot of pieces for that too. Um, I think defensively, they just have a lot of question marks. Um, that's the one, like they can score with the best of them, but they just didn't have an answer defensively all season, and it didn't get any better during the playoffs. Yeah, even uh, Game Five when. Jimmy Butler and Lowry were out. They couldn't close. Exactly. Unfortunately, so that's that's a big that's a pretty big tell that that's just not ready. Yeah, this was this was a pretty boring ass series. It was. And um, yeah, I just I just think there's a couple teams that we'll talk about. I think Atlanta and Utah are just two of those teams that in the offseason are going to have to do some serious shaking. Yeah, up. exactly, exactly. Um, the two and seven seeds. So the Celtics and Nets. This one we thought would be the most anticipated matchup. First round in probably in a long time, and it was probably the biggest, um, most disappointing series I would say. After especially after Game One, when Boston probably I wouldn't say stole 
that game after that, you know, buzzer beater layup by Tatum. But the Nets probably should have had that game. I know they were up late in that fourth uh, fourth quarter. And had they won that first game, I don't think the the results of the series changes too much, but they probably have a little bit more momentum. It probably goes to six or seven games. Yeah, I um, mean, we both called seven games in that series. Yeah. And that game one, watching Kyrie go off like that and take on that villain role and like exactly. chirping at the Boston fans, which is probably one of the hardest arenas to play in, and he was going off. I watched every second of that game, and I was just mesmerized by how unreal this guy was playing. And I was like, okay, well, if this is the case, and if him and KD are just trading games on who takes over, then this is definitely going to go to seven games. And the opposite happened. He he played extremely well in that first game, scored 38 points, had a massive shot late in the fourth, mm-hmm. uh, and then just didn't show up for the rest of the series. I was actually quite shocked, but more shocked that we were just kind of waiting for KD to show up. And you know, I would never assume that this is the decline of Kevin Durant, but I know a lot of people are starting to jump on that, which I think is out of control and completely out of pocket because he's got a lot of he's got a lot more. Uh, like we have to give him the benefit of the doubt, you yeah. know. If if this continues for like the the first half of the regular season next year, then yeah, I might say okay, the guy's slowing down. But I still think he's the most prolific scorer in the NBA right now. And I was just shocked at his inability to get to spots. And like Boston just had a really good handle on him, a good read on him. They were showing two or three at him at all times, yeah. and he could just never get a groove. Yeah, they, he had, he had terrible turnovers in some of those games. Just like so uncharacteristic of so uncharacteristic. how he would play, but yeah, while well, Boston had the best defense in the league um, all year, and it, re- it really showed. Especially, I think the emergence of Tatum as a defender as well. I think when you saw how well he played, he had four or five turnovers on in a few of those games in, in that first round. And I think after game one, Kyrie kind of, you know, he de- definitely played below expectations, and that Nets roster was just so thin, especially when you don't have. Ben Simmons in there for any you know for any sort of uh, minutes you got to play Blake Griffin you're depending on Blake Griffin in game three to make a few threes and you know hustle plays but he's you know he's way past his prime now he's riddled with injuries and you got Nick Claxton missing 10 consecutive free throws can't really depend on Seth Curry or Goran Dragic to to give you good minutes so overall definitely super disappointing season for them as well, heavy favorites going into the season as you know the, the winner of the championship so i know and i feel like maybe we should just take this time and segue to talk about like brooklyn's future but one of the things i want to talk about is tatum who you just brought up and it didn't really click that he was capable of being this type of defender until i saw him block kd twice mm-hmm. and i was like it re- and i told day on this i was like this reminds you of paul george in indiana and like he's actually turning into that two-way player like like kawaii-ish paul george-ish and I did not see that from Tatum. Yeah, um, it's funny because even from like on the other side where you have like, and we can get into this later, but Donovan Mitchell who came in to the NBA as like a defender and now he's like, you know, the, the go-to offensive player for Utah and he's getting crushed on defense. And is it more of effort? Is it like the, the coach is putting the players in that position? I think it's effort. Right? It's all, it's all effort, right? Like, you got to pick your spots. That. Yeah, so, but also like, I feel like Tatum has a little more freedom to do whatever he wants because of how versatile um, Boston is on the perimeter, especially with Defensive Player of the Year. We've got Jalen Brown, too. Yeah, kind of hunting things down. they got Jalen Brown, who is um, – has he ever won any first or second um, defensive player – or not defensive, but just defensive team? 
probably not, but he's a solid, solid defender. Definitely Look above what average. He did to Siakam. And uh, yeah, Al Horford, um, Time Lord. So I think just having those guys around, being able to switch, but even being able to like defend the the ISO, he did that so well. So I've never seen KD get blocked out like that. You know, props up to Boston, and we'll see if they're able to do that same thing to another superstar and uh, Giannis. You know, so uh, that that should be telling on how they are able to perform and see how they do against the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, no, absolutely. And do we just talk about uh, Brooklyn for a little bit here? Because I think there's some serious question marks. You know, the post-game interview, Kyrie was alluding, <laughs> Kyrie was saying some weird-ass shit about how him and KD and and the uh, the ownership are, like, running the team and, and how, like, Boston had continuity, but they didn't have any continuity. But the reason they didn't have any continuity was because of Kyrie Irving. <laughs> yeah. So I just, you know, the, you want to talk about KD's decline. I, I'm more concerned about, like, these are, these are precious basketball years that this guy's just allowing to be jeopardized because he's just staying loyal to Kyrie, and I, I don't get it. Yeah, well, we, we saw kind of the, what is it, just the, the, the repercussions and the results of his actions. We know we heard that Harden wasn't happy, and that's why he kind of demanded a trade and, you know, he's in a contract year, so he kind of used that leverage to get, get out of um, Brooklyn and, you know, be able to get on the 76ers there. And they really got a shitty return in, you know, in Ben Simmons, who, again, that just that whole situation, him, you know, saying he's going to be ramped up to play game three, game four, not being able to play. And then on Instagram before game four, he's like putting like the huffing smoke emoji yeah. as if he's going to play, but then he's not playing. Then he's dressing extra loud on the bench and yeah. drawing all this, all this attention to him. And I think it was Kevin Arnovitz or someone that, um, I think it was on a Zach Lowe podcast, and they were kind of like, if you step back and look at this transaction between Ben Simmons and Harden, it's kind of a lose-lose for both teams. You know, because that, on one side, Harden hasn't been playing to his potential at all. He looked terrible against the Raptors, to be honest. Yep. They, answered, they had an answer for him right away. He had no burst. He had no first step. And now they got to pay this guy $250 million. And then on the other hand, Ben Simmons is a no-show. So both teams kind of just, it was kind of like a wash. Yeah, it's funny because when the first, when the when that trade like went down, we thought, oh, that's a win-win for both teams because, you know, Harden w wasn't happy with, with what was going on. Simmons was hurt. And he, again, he wasn't happy with how the postseason ended last year. So we thought a hey, change of scenery, these two guys are going to be able to fit in perfectly to what each of those teams wants to do and yeah it looks right now it looks like a lose-lose depending on how Harden does and how Philly does in the in the next few rounds but yeah weird situation definitely for a you know second year head coach and Steve Nash I feel like probably unfair uh, like way to evaluate his first two years with probably and I the think most he's gonna get fired now I, I think so too I think he's I gonna think get so fired too. I think so too so I don't know we'll see there's rumors that you know he, he might be able to stay another year because of how how bad his yeah, hand bad, was yeah give it to all-star break i think that's going to be the assessment yeah exactly maybe see how it goes with simmons but that team is um yeah, a lot of question marks absolutely and it's what it's so funny because we're talking about harden simmons and kyrie who have been the biggest flakes in the nba all season it's just been such an interesting season for all three of yeah. these guys and Quite honestly, I'm I'm sick of the bullshit. Like I'm so glad that we're going to be talking about actual quality teams as exactly. we go through these playoff teams and kind of an end of an era. Eh? Like this super team thing's not working. 
You know, like you got the Lakers, they're not even in the playoff picture. Brooklyn got swept by Boston. You know, I think the way to go is through the draft. Like you got Memphis, yeah. you're drafting superstars. Boston, you're drafting superstars. Exactly. Look at Golden State, right? Exactly, so it's exactly. it's I th- I feel like the pendulum has shifted, and it's awesome to which see. Which is good. Which is yeah, good. Which this is, is really good. Good. Good for the league. We're good for the parity within the league. Ba- I think basketball right now is in the best place that I can remember it being in. Like these playoffs have been so much fun to watch. For sure, it's been so for good, sure. and like the the stars are out. Yeah, the, the the talent is just abundant in the league right now. So it's, yeah, first round was definitely interesting in, in some of the series, but again, disappointing for the Nets and this the series that was so hyped up and anticipated by basically everyone in the league. Um, let's get into the Milwaukee Bucks, Chicago Bulls, probably the biggest stinker yeah. of, of the of the first round out of womp, you know, womp. all teams. Um you know, we always talk about Demar. We, we we saw him firsthand as a you know regular season star, kind of playing well below his um, skill set, below his talent in the playoffs, just because of the style that he plays. Um, and I, I kind of saw it in the series too. Just a terrible matchup for him and the Bulls, especially without having you know um, Ball, without ha- having some of their t- key guys, and he has to go up against. Chris Middleton, Giannis, Drew Holiday, and he played terribly in the first game, had a 41-point career-high game in game two, but then after that, I know I, th- I think his averages were like 20 points on 40% shooting when he averaged 27 points in the regular season, so a pretty big drop-off, especially with that game two 41 uh, production there. So I don't want to get into it too much because, you know, bad hand for for him, especially with the roster they have and kind of a shitty matchup with the defending champs. But really, I just uh, I was not even interested in that series. I didn't no, watch much no, of it. No, me neither. You know, I, I, think, I think the outcome would have stayed the same if Lonzo was healthy. However, I think it would have been a little closer. I think they missed him. Um, I love me some Caruso, man. I think I think Chicago needs to run it back. I think they just kind of got injured and hobbled like later in the season, mm-hmm. um, and it kind of carried over into the playoffs. But I, if I'm a Bulls fan, I'm still really optimistic about how this season worked out, considering where you were last season. And I just hope Zach Levine resigns because um, I think there's I think you know I think there's a brighter future for that team. Vucevic didn't really get into a groove at all this season. I mean, if he can bounce back, they get a healthy Lonzo. Um, they're 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 still a pretty scary team. I think that we saw a pretty, uh, I don't know, like a positive glimpse of what they could be in the first half of the season. They were still tied uh, for the top spot in the East before the All Star break, and then again with all the injuries, I feel like it's tough to to kind of have that continuity when you're missing your key guys, two or three key guys for half the season. And try to get you know into the playoffs against, I would say the one of, one of the top contenders in the, in the entire league. So, yeah, I don't know. What what do you think they should do? Just keep the same core, maybe try to upgrade here or there with some of their young guys, possibly as trading pieces. Or, yeah, that's yeah, probably the best I, I would pro- I'd probably keep the core. You know, mm-hmm. I think I think you need to see uh, what this team can do healthy for an entire season. Yeah. Yeah. But then, like, you know, in Milwaukee, they didn't skip a beat. And I don't want to jump into the second round, but they beat Boston today. They looked really good, man. And uh, Giannis just hasn't really turned back since the finals, eh? Like, he's just, he, he no longer shoots the three ball. He's just attack, attack, attack. 
and you just can't stop him. Yeah, and he was hitting mid-range shots today. Even though he didn't shoot like to like over 50% today, I think. He was like 12 or 20-something, but he's still just a force. And he's playmaking at a such a high level now, so he's, he's the best player in that series. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that later, but... Yeah, you know, I think having Middleton injured is going to end up... Like, that That deficit is going to surface throughout the Boston season. I know they got by this game one, but I anticipate this going to seven. Yeah. Um, only because I think not having Middleton is eventually going to catch up to them. For sure, for sure, for sure. All right, and the last series in the first round on the Eastern Conference side, 76ers versus our Raptors. So Philly took game one and two. Pretty convincingly at home. Raptors lose game three after being up all the regulation, majority of the uh, overtime game there, and then the Embiid fade away three to beat them with whatever, 0.5 seconds left. So that that was a series there. Even though the Raptors made it a, you know, uh, a little bit of an exciting series to win the uh, game four and five. One at home and then one uh, in Philly, and we you know we got to see Siakam kind of rebound from his you know terrible playoff performance in the bubble against Celtics. We got to see guys like Scotty Barnes, even though he got hurt the first three games, kind of come out and kind of play his play his game and really define his status as Rookie of the Year. Uh, unfortunately, Fred, for Freddie, he got hurt uh, in the last two games, so we didn't really get to see him contribute to kind of the, the success of the team in those last two games. But, you know, what are your thoughts on just overall that series, how impactful Embiid was, how impactful, you know, James Harden was or wasn't, and kind of the role players that kind of made a big impact all around for, for the 76ers and the Raptors? I think the Raptors played as good as they could have played. And uh, obviously, I think game three was the biggest what if. You win that game, and I think the outcome of this series actually could have been different because... We gave them everything we had defensively. We shut down James Harden, um, kind of evaporated him at times. And uh, it was just, it, it was so awesome to see Nick Nurse throughout these makeshift lines like he has been doing all regular season without Fred Van Fleet. You got Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes handling the basketball for you. And the fact that we were able to pull off those wins two in a row the way that we did. Um, I think we scared Philly pretty shitless, and I think we said prior to the playoff preview that we didn't expect to win the series, but we said whoever the Raptors play are going to take a dent out of the team that they play, and they literally did. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> Embiid got, uh, got concussed, and you know what? Doc Rivers, what the fuck are you doing putting Embiid on the floor up by 30 with four minutes left? That injury doesn't happen if Joel Embiid's resting, as he should be, up mm-hmm. by 30 with four minutes left. Um, and as, as I think, I think Nick Nurse out coached him personally. I think those first two games, um, Doc Rivers like got the better of him. But I mean, Philly was shooting like sixty percent. But through as the as the series went on, I think that Nick Nurse's coaching chops really showed up. Yeah, I, I think the Raptors definitely salvaged the series, um, especially being down. I'm so content. You yeah, know, like I'm so exactly. content because I didn't want to roll over and die. Yeah. I just I knew that we could put them through a ringer, put them through a bloodbath, and there's nothing I like to see more than stressing James Harden and Doc Rivers out. And I think we stressed them out. Like, did you see Doc Rivers post or pregame yeah, interview of where he was talking about like his coaching legacy when no one really asked him about it? 
it was like what, like what do you what do you say to people talking about like your three one history? He could have been like it's not three one yet. Like mm-hmm. all we have to do is close out one game. But he started going into this like in depth like exactly, exactly no biography way. of his like coaching legacy. It was it was weird, man. It was super insecure. No, for sure. No, for sure. Um, I don't like the the one thing that I, I saw here is that Tobias Harris played really well. Tobias, Tobias Harris, Harris and, and Danny Green. Ty- Ty- Tyrese Maxey played really well. Even George Niang played well. So even though the 76ers aren't super deep and they were missing Thibault for for three of those games in the series, I think missing Thibault actually helped him because he was horrendous when he actually played in Philly. But I think what I saw from Harris where he doesn't have that pressure to be that second or third guy anymore. He can just kind of be that spot of shooting in the corner. He played Siakam really well. Even though Siakam kind of had, you know, he, he didn't really fall off from his regular season averages. He made it tougher and, you know, kind of get comfortable, get into the lane, kind of get to his strong arm. So he, he, he knew he was going to spin. He knew what he was going to do next. So, you know, give it up to Tobias Harris, who has always kind of struggled being that second or third option on a good team. And now that he's kind of fell down a peg and Maxi has that offensive responsibility now to be kind of a third guy. Um, I think those two, two guys played extremely well. But Maxi surprisingly played really well. I haven't watched enough 76ers regular season game to, to see how he really played, but he was a spark plug for them and a huge... He was a gamer. Yeah. I, I was shocked by his ability to rise up to rise up in the moment, rise yeah. to the occasion. And, you know, Philly just hit everything. And, you know, I was at game three. And, you know, the way that we were generating our offense, it was kind of like pulling teeth to get points. And Philly, it was just kind of like, will they ever miss? That's kind of how you felt. Everything that they put up, you thought was going in. And, man, watching Embiid play in person, like, there's, I've seen Shaq, I've seen Giannis, I've seen, I've seen guys that, like, you know, they're so dominant that you're kind of like, you're watching and you're kind of at their will. Like, you're kind of like, man, how do you stop this guy? And that's how I felt about Embiid throughout that whole season. It was like, how do you stop this guy? And it's pretty cool to see, you know, guys dominate the game like that. And his ability to just, like, get to where he wants to go. His finishing from, like, the free throw line extended. Yeah, yeah. It was automatic. Yeah. Like, he was playing with, like, complete command of the game. If he's, if he's not forcing threes and he's got a great mid-range. He's got a great mid-range. I he, didn't realize it was that good. He, and he has a pretty good, like, handle, his, his, his first step and just being able to just draw contact. Um... Yeah, he, he was definitely such an imposing uh, factor within the whole scheme of things. And, um, but, you know, sh- shitty for the Raptors because he was definitely the focal point and everyone else just kind of fed off that. Uh, James Harden, I would say, probably played definitely below what you expect him to be. But we've always kind of seen this with, with Harden in other playoff series. Uh, but he did play well in Game 6. I'll give him that. The game that they really needed because they definitely didn't want to go back to Philadelphia for Game 7 with all that pressure on their shoulders there, but he played really well that series or that game, and yeah, maybe he can pl- maybe he can just kind of work and bounce off, use that use that game as a kind of a bouncing board for for the series against the, the Miami Heat. Absolutely, I think you know Fred VanVleet probably averaged like forty, like thirty five to forty minutes a game in the regular season. He was like top three in minutes played. A lot of Raptors were, um, and I think it caught up to him in the playoffs. And that hip injury kind of concerns me because it kind of reminds me of Isaiah Thomas. Now, they caught it early. They detected it early. And, you know, they they put him to rest. But um, I'm nervous, you know, because I think what you realized in this series was take Fred away and we really don't have a backup PG. 
and exactly. uh, we don't have a dominant ball handler on the floor, and we really lack playmaking, and that's something that we've always lacked. I feel like ever other than 2019, we've always just kind of lacked that playmaking uh, that always surfaces in the playoffs, and I hope that somehow, some way, we can address it this offseason. We have a lot of we have a lot of good young assets. You know, you have OG, who's on a really team-friendly contract. Gary Trent's on a team-friendly contract. Got some good young assets and. Banton, even Flynn, or you know, some draft picks out, they can definitely make a push. I think it's for, time to make a push because yeah. we we're so young, and the develop the develop the developmental process has worked. Uh, but I think we're kind of at that plateau now where we can't just keep drafting and developing. We need mm-hmm. to make some splashes. Yeah, and it just shows in the playoffs. Like you got a guy like Tavares Harris, Danny Green, Tyrese Maxey, shot makers, and that's mm-hmm. what you need in the playoffs. You just need shot makers. Exactly. And we and like give it up to OG. He did play well, but that's not his role. You know, and he did the best that he could, but he dried up in game six. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, definitely exceeded all expectations from a regular season standpoint. Having Barnes as Rookie of the Year, great story for for the franchise this year. And then and we you took know, Philly to six. Philly to six, exactly. Even though, again, a lot of people predicted the Raptors would win that series. They were kind of like the sexy pick. Um, especially how they were playing. And we didn't like that. No, we didn't like that. And we kind of, yeah, that, this is the reason why. But but look what happened. They went down 0-2. The pendulum shifted. Everyone's like, oh, no, they're getting swept. Yeah. They like proving people wrong. No. Pascal likes proving people wrong. Toronto likes pro- yeah. proving people wrong. That's the role that we have to be in. Exactly, exactly. So we'll see We'll see what they do in the, in the offseason. They have the best general manager, president in the entire league. They got, the I would say, a top three coach in the league. And they're in a good spot. Or let's just you know see what they do in the offseason in the draft and start starting the season for for the next summer. Yeah, question for you, and I, I've I've gotten mixed reviews when the crowd boos the home team, like Philly was booing Philly, or sorry, like the Philly fans are booing Philly in Game yeah. Five. Do you like that or do you not like that? Uh, <laughs> I was shocked. I, I was shocked too. And then I heard some people say it's just passion, like the the team's actually going to feed off that. I'm like, no, uh, no, 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 they won't. No, they won't. That's. That's bullshit. That's crazy. It's crazy. No, no, no. It, it is crazy. I, I was laughing because I'm like, oh, this is sick. Like, I'm it was glad, unreal. Glad. I'm glad that they're booing because it deflated them in game five against the Raptors. You know, Why well, not just get on your feet, clap, be like, all right, guys, let's just close this guy, yeah. close these guys out. You just have one game to win. Like, why are you booing? <laughs> well, man, I, yeah, that's what they did to Ben Simmons. Look, look, look at the mental toll that he's, yeah, he's taking. So, on the flip side, in Toronto, game six, we're down by 30 and it's less, let's go Raptor chance. Yeah. Yeah, Call exactly. us naive, but I think that's just like that's the way a fan base has to be. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see how they how they react when they play uh, the Miami Heat without Embiid for for the first few games there. Last thing I want to say is fans going to Tim Hortons at or whatever on halftime and then coming into like three minutes into the third. Yeah, it's I saw the that. worst. That's, bad. that's a bad look. It's the worst, and that's when Philly went on their run. Yeah, exactly. Like exactly. I don't understand why you'd pay like five hundred dollars for playoff tickets. To just go get a coffee yeah. and miss like three minutes of the third quarter. Is that, is that a Raptors thing? Because I, I always I always notice brutal, it. Man. I always notice it during Raptors games it's because brutal. it's always empty for the first three four minutes of that's the third. That's got to change because yeah, we always change. we always dry up in the third quarter. I think it's we because do. the fan base is like dragging their feet. No, that's that's a good point. I I, I always notice those things. I always notice brutal. those things. All right, let's quickly run through the the Western Conference. I know we took a little bit of time on on the East side there, but. A, a, pr- a few pretty good stories here, especially in the matchup against, you know, the dominant first seed in the Suns versus the Pelicans. I would say a lot of people predicted a, you know, a dominant sweep here. 
but we saw Devin Booker go down early um, in the series. Um, he, he did play game six where Chris Paul went off for the best shooting performance of all time. <laughs> oh, man, so unreal. I, so I, I, didn't, I, didn't see, um, I didn't see that game specifically, uh, but I know you were texting at the group chat saying, like, this is a close game and Chris Paul... He was Paul, 14 for 14. 14 for 14 in game six. And the Pelicans still made it a close game. You know, if, if, they, if Chris Paul doesn't go 14-14 in that game or Mikael Bridges doesn't go for 30-plus points in game five, it could be a game seven in, in Phoenix. Right, so it's crazy to think about, man. This Chris Paul was dumped to OKC. Yeah, dumped. Yeah, he was exiled he to was, OKC. He was traded for Chris Paul, two first-round picks, and two swaps were Westbrook. Yes, and now he's <laughs> fourteen for fourteen. Yeah, playing for the number one seed Phoenix Suns. It's crazy, it's man. Crazy. This guy, this guy's a gamer. We we know how good the Suns are. We don't have to like drill down to kind of you know the. Just everything that works really well for them. But let's, you know, get up to the Pelicans. Again, this team that, were they the 10th seed going to the play-in tournament? Yeah. They, they beat um, San Antonio um, in San Antonio. They beat the Clippers in L.A. They take the Suns to six. They're, st- they're playing three rookies in Herb Jones, yeah. uh, Trey Murphy, and Jose Alvarado in the fourth against the Suns. And, Who had you know, a coming out party. Yeah, and then you see Brandon Ingram in his first playoff um, round and he's crushing it, killing it, kind of being that 1A guy that they, they're looking for and they still have the ultimate number one under 25 player or top three um, player that's under 25 in Zion Williamson who hasn't been integrated into the offense, hasn't played all year but you add that with JV, with McCollum and that team has a really bright future after going 3 for 16 to start the season you know, Willie Green being a rookie head coach and just being able to see what they were able to do with that team. Um, a lot of, you know, optimism, uh, potential with this team moving forward. The, really all it depends on how Zion is integrated back into this, if he still plays for them, if, you know, whatever pieces they might potentially he get will. back. But if, um, I'm, if I'm a New Orleans fan, I'm so pumped. Yeah, like to think, so pumped. I have it here. Ingram averaged 27 points per game, 48% field goal percentage, and he was 41% from the three-point line. Like, this guy actually looked like that KD comparison that yeah. people have been talking about He played years. better than KD. If I'm, <laughs> if I'm a New Orleans fan, I am juiced yeah. for next season. Yeah. Because to think that CJ McCollum could potentially be your third option, and then you got, you got a guy like Alvarado and Herb Jones, JV... Yeah. Um, the future looks really bright, and I know that the West is going to get healthier. Teams like Denver are going to get, you know, um, you know Jamal Murray and guys like that back. But there is no reason that New Orleans, if Zion's playing the way that we know that he's capable of playing, as dominant as he was when he was healthy, there's no reason why they can't be mid to top of the West. For like sure. it's going to be super competitive, but they can do it. Like they got they got depth. Like it's crazy to think about. Everyone was shitting on this franchise, and somehow Griffin's just been like killing it. And I think we got to, like, turn our attitude around when people think, oh, hey, let's, for teams to go and get the 7th or 8th seed, this is, you know, a great positive story for a team that goes in there, a young team, gets some experience. Even if they got swept by the Suns, it's still kind of, you know, they get to understand the, the magnitude of these playoff games, you know, playing two games in Phoenix, playing two games in New Orleans. And, you know, they took it, they took it to them. And yeah. we, we saw the maturation of a lot of their young players. And I think just having that confidence to, you know, be able to 
be the 10th seed, win two vital uh, play-in games, and now be able to you know match up and really be on par with the Suns until kind of the the later two games. So I think just a big big plus for that franchise, especially kind of the the outlook that they had midway through the season. You yeah. know, not not a lot of t- people had them in the playoffs, and definitely not at the level that they're at now. No, it's interesting because you look at the playoff teams right now. Okay, so the the eight teams that made the playoffs. Next year, the Lakers are probably going to make the playoffs. The Clippers will probably make the playoffs. So who's not going to be there? Mm-hmm. And I would probably count up Minnesota. We'll talk about it in a bit. But I'm, I'm chalking up New Orleans to be a playoff team. Zion, Zion would be crazy to leave this roster. No, like, there is, there is no... You don't find rosters like this. Like, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go that's going to be better than this? Like, they've got everything. They've, they've surrounded him with the right pieces, and he'd be crazy to leave. Um... You want to talk about Phoenix for a bit? Sure. Yeah, I think you know. I think for Phoenix, this was a blessing in disguise to have Booker out. Uh, we've seen it with so many teams that finish regular season, you know, first seed success. Utah's done it year after year. Toronto's done it a couple years where you steamroll over the regular season and then you kind of get shocked and woken up in the playoffs, right? And sometimes it's a little too late. I think that having Booker injured made guys like Crowder wake up, Bridges wake up. Um, they were kind of like, they were pretty surgical with their offense all season, but I think that this was sort of like a nice wake-up call for those guys that, all right, okay, you got, you guys have to contribute. Mm-hmm. And it uh, looks like Booker's back now, so he should be healthy and ready to go. But like Miles Bridges, I think he he had like 35 points, 41 minutes logged in game five. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just like that that ability, like that experience for him was huge, right, for their confidence going forward. So sometimes you need sort of need that adversity. And I think that's going to pay dividends in the second and third round. Yeah, and Ain played really well. Yeah, this exactly. Too. He shot like seventy percent from the field. Um, again, having those touches, having those possessions where it's not going to Booker, crucial, crucial for yeah. It just kind of kept them on their toes, yeah, right? Crucial, crucial for for their run um, in the next few series here. Um, let's go to the next one, which was the Grizzlies and Timberwolves. You know, I uh, two weeks ago I was saying that I think this. Could go seven, just because of the inexperience from both teams. I know Memphis did play in the playoffs last year, got swept by Utah, and Minnesota again. They're just a super young team, and I think we really saw the 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 results of two really young teams with you know a lot of talent, but we saw a lot of a lot of stupid mistakes. We saw a lot. Of a lot of, we saw a lot of leads being blown, a lot of weird coaching decisions, um, and the players were just like. Like, like chirping and like dancing, complaining yeah, and dancing. It was weird, it was, man. It's just two young teams, you know. I I get it, but I think this series is actually closer than the four two results that we we saw. We saw was it game three or four when the Timberwolves were up twenty seven, yeah, yeah, and the Memphis Grizzlies go on a 21-0 run, and Chris Finch doesn't call a timeout that cost him the game. Um, Anthony Edwards hitting that clutch three late in game five, but then going for that steal um, against John Moran, and he finished um, that layup. So, that, that again, that, that game was a good was game. Good that was game. a really good game. And then game six, uh, Timberwolves are up 10, going to the fourth, and they get blown out by 22. It was like 40 to 18 um, in that last quarter for the Grizzlies to steal that um, series. But super close, super close series. Um, we saw the emergence of Anthony Edwards. You know, this is his first 
you know, t- uh, taste of the playoffs. We saw Cat have his ups and downs. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not a fan of his. I don't. You know, sorry to cut you off. No, yeah. I, I I totally agree. Like, I always I always admired his offensive ability. Um, but it was that series that made me realize why he's not a Jokic, why he's not an Embiid. He just lacks that maturity. Like, I know guys complain to the refs, but the way he does it is different. Like, he gets really emotional throughout the game. Like, a bad call, like, he wears it. You know, he doesn't, like, he doesn't act on it and play better. He, like, sulks on the other end of the floor. His body language is fucking terrible. It's like a Boogie Cousins type thing where, where, yeah, if he gets a foul... Yeah, that's a good comparison. Right? And he's gonna... We've seen it already. Like, he fouled out game one. He had, like, he had six fouls. There's, like, seven minutes left in the game, and he... He took that stupid sixth foul, and we saw a few times here where you just can't get a foul here, and you, and you get it. It's like it's just demoralizing for a team when you're when you're the all star when you're supposed to be the lead guy here. Um, but we we saw a lot of you know even Pat Bev played a really well good series and he always plays good. Yeah, man. he played he played really well. I would like, love to have that guy on my team. Yeah, and yeah, the Grizzlies like John Morant. Um, I don't think he played exceptionally well. He he kind of just played what was given, what, what like the defensive look that he got. Like he really, um, you know, kind of just kind of gave it a, gave gave the ball out when he when he needed to. So he played that real that responsibility that you needed from your point guard. And we saw Desmond Bain play super well. I think he averaged like twenty five plus in this series for the Grizzlies. Um, Jaron Jackson played okay. He kept, he kept getting fouled. Yeah, he, he kept he kept. Um, fouling out or getting into foul trouble, which probably, is why I think he um, didn't win player of the year or defensive player of the year because just as just what didn't play enough minutes and because he just always in foul trouble. I watched a lot of that series and I feel like I never saw him on the floor. No, he, he had a terrible, he had a terrible series. Um, yeah, you know, I was shocked. You know, I thought Memphis would have more of a command in that series. A little nervous for them going into the second round because they just didn't look as uh, confident as they have all regular season. You know, they've got the culture, they've got, they definitely got a really tight-knit group that like playing with each other and for each other, yeah. uh, which will help them in the playoffs because that resilience does help. But um, yeah, they just they just didn't look as uh, commanding. It might have been a matchup thing, so we'll see how they do against Golden State. I know that they've won that se- season series against Golden State this year, but um, yeah, I was kind of surprised. I thought they'd I thought they'd hit the ground running. Yeah, well, it's just, I, I, yeah, I think doing part is just two really young teams going at it and... We kind of saw the results there. That's the thing. Like sometimes it's a matchup thing, and one round can just look uglier than the other, right? Exactly, exactly, exactly. So let's quickly go through these last two first round matchups: Warriors and Nuggets. This one, I think everyone could have predicted being a sweep or four-one, especially with um, the Warriors being fully healthy now. We saw the emergence of Jordan Poole. Um, that that lineup that they have with Wiggins. What do they Green. call it? It's so funny. They call like, it the like pool P- party. Uh, <laughs> like, I, honestly, I, I don't even know what they're gonna call it because they used to call it the death lineup when they had KD in there yeah. and, and Iguodala, and you know Denver just didn't have enough firepower. Um, Jokic, I don't think Draymond played him exceptionally well. I know there was like some buzz around how I'm not into you know, it, but he still averaged I think like close to his regular season high. He shot really well, just didn't have enough support from the from the other guys in Monte Morris Since- from. Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying about Draymond Green. Like, since when are you allowed to climb on someone's back and, like, 
harass someone the way that he was. Like, why is it different in the playoffs than the regular yeah. season? I don't get it. But it's always been like that. But then did you see the way we were playing in beat? He got to the free throw line like 30 times yeah. a game. Yeah. So I just don't get the inconsistency. It's just a, re- it's a reputation thing. I, I would say like Draymond, he, he knows. He's smart. He, he knows what he can get away with. With the Raptors, they're just still a team that you're you're trying to help. Hands here, there. And MB's just a smart, smart player. He's going to draw those 10 fouls regardless of of whoever's guarding him. So, yeah, I think definitely a reputation thing, especially when Draymond's, you know, multi-time defensive player of the year or whatever. That reputation does definitely help a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I, just Denver didn't have enough firepower. We we didn't expect much from them from the series. Jokic still played really well. And, yeah, I don't – there's not much more for me to say. I think good, good, good first-round series for the Warriors, I would say, just to kind of get Curry back. You know, he play, one thing I would say is – what other superstar, I know you mentioned this, what other superstar would, you know, volunteer to come off the bench or even just accept that role? And he played really well, allowed Jordan Poole to stay stay in the starting lineup, still go off for 20-25 every game. And now, you know, they've kind of found this new lineup for that for them that's going to work, take out Looney, add in Poole, and see what happens in the for the rest of the playoffs. His humility is, is something else, man. His ability to just sort of, you know, humble himself and just do what's best for the team it it took it took Carmelo like Carmelo Anthony still thinks he should be a starter he's yeah. still like unhappy that he's coming <laughs> off the bench for the Lakers you know and you gotta I, it, yeah I, I admire Curry's stance with that so much no you're right all right so um all right let's quickly move on to the last series here in the west the Mavs versus the Jazz two weeks wow. ago two weeks ago we thought okay well Luca we don't know how long his injury is going to go for. It looks like Utah should be able to steal these two games in Dallas, especially with that team that they've had for the last three, four years. Um, you know, we thought this was do or die for the for the Jazz. They really had to take the series, especially it's over. With, especially with a hobbled Mavs team. And we got to see kind of the coming out party for Jalen Brunson. You know, this second round second round pick from Villanova who kind of just took that lead role when um, Luca was out. Kind of just played that same role that Luca would play, be- being that facilitator, and he killed it. He's going to get paid this year. I don't know if that's going to be a good thing or a bad thing for the Mavs to retain him, but he played really well. We saw the Dinwiddie trade kind of come into play here too. He's, he's kind of just that second, third ball handler that they need. Kind of space the floor. You don't have to feed Chris Apps anymore. You don't have to kind of... Um, cater to his need as a second star anymore so they spread everything out um Dorian Finney-Smith you know just again another great defensive player that they have and they played really well defensively the series and you know unfortunately for Utah yeah I don't know they they they're 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 blowing it up I don't know what this team looks like do they trade one or two of the the big two there or do they trade all the guys or you know who's who's gonna look we're gonna look back and we might say hey they they made this trade and it worked out, or they you blew it up and might not work out for them. But they gotta do something. Well, they have Danny Ainge, and there's no probably no one more cutthroat than him. Yeah, you know, just given by his reputation in Boston, and you know it's been a it's been a good five years now with this team with this core. And Quinn Snyder's gonna go. Donovan Mitchell might have to go. Rudy Gobert will go. It's it's gonna blow up for sure. Um, you going into this series, you had thought that they were a little underrated, you know, and people people wanted to doubt them because you know rightfully so they keep underperforming in the playoffs. 
I did not think they were going to do it again. But they, they shit the bed versus Dallas. I was shocked. I was shocked. Yeah, they, in game five against Dallas, they went three for 30 from the three. But we, we, we they live and die by the three. They, they're the team that definitely changed up their offense the most when they got Bogdanovich. They got Jordan Clarkson. And, you know, they're yeah, well, I think they lead the league in free throw yeah. attempts, free, free or three point attempts. And they also lead the league in three point percentage. Yes. So, I mean, they they shoot the ball at a really high clip, but it's different in the playoffs, man. A lot of these three point shooting teams, we've seen them. We've seen them crumble like yeah, Houston. Houston used to do it all the exactly, time. Exactly. They used to lead the league in three point shots and then they, they would dry up when they needed it most and ball game. And, and the the final play for for the series was. The Bogdanovich, the the down one. It looked good. It looked good. It looked, it looked good. good. He had a wide open shot, and that's that's the, that's just kind of a representation of or representation of kind of how this team has looked the last few years. They they had a chance again. We we keep going back to their blown three one lead against the Nuggets in the bubble. They were a really good team then too. Um, Terrence Mann. Terrence Mann losing to the Clippers. Again, they they were the number one seed last year. They were kind of in the position that the Suns are in. And if they play the Suns in the Western Conference Finals, again, you don't know the, about the matchups, you don't know how things go. They, they could have been a team that's in the finals and kind of being in the same position as the Suns, but now they're, now, now they're out of the first round and they're looking to figure out what, what to do next. Especially on the road, if you're a three-point shooting team, it's so it's so hard to hit those shots. And I find when you're when you're missing threes, it's usually a long rebound, which ends up resulting in like transition ball. Yeah. And then you get the you get the fans on the side and the momentum swing. So I don't know. It's tough. It's tough to play that type of game. And I haven't seen a team really successfully do it other than the Golden State Warriors. But they got the best three-point shooters in the yeah. in the history of basketball. Yeah, exactly. Like I'm trying to think of another team that was shooting the ball at a high clip. Maybe the Spurs back in like 2015. But other than that, like it, it's a really hard type of basketball to play stylistically. I've never really seen it work in the playoffs. For sure, for sure. We're seeing more of like the mid-range kind it's of more. It's back. It's back. I it's love back. it. Yeah, it's back. You know, we're, we're seeing Devin Booker. We're seeing Chris Paul. We're seeing, you know, Giannis. We're seeing Jason Tatum. All these guys are just really utilizing because all these teams are, you know, taking away that three. And they're basically daring you to take the poor analytical shot but it just opens up the game more yeah. when you're able to take advantage of the the open paint there 100 percent um other thing i was gonna say is just like utah bench chemistry there was none of it like against dallas like they they looked they were never really like standing up cheering for each other they didn't seem very united they kind of felt like it kind of felt like everyone was sort of leaving each other out to dry and like they didn't help each other out in the press conferences like it's over like it, it's they're 100 percent blowing it up they you you know, there was no fight in them. Like they didn't, they didn't even want to attempt to to, you know, make this a series. They kind of just gave up on each other. Yeah, and the animosity between the best two players. It's, it, not good. it's, it's been it's been a story for the last two three seasons, right? So, yeah, I don't, there's no doubt in my mind that one of them or even both of them could be on their way out, is depending on what what the market um, entails for for trade values for both of those guys. They, they're definitely going to get a lot back. For those two guys, and depending on the situation, I would guys. take either one of them. I, oh, I would too. <laughs> those are the two needs that the Raptors need: a shot maker and a in a center that can kind of play team ball. But yeah, I, I I'd give up OG and Gary Trent or whatever draft picks for either two of the either one of those guys. Yeah, if I'm if I'm a, if I'm a rival team, I'm sort of licking my teeth right now. Like that whole that's a garage sale. 
mm-hmm. in Utah yeah. right now. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Unfortunately, Danny Ainge is pretty savvy. Like he's not just going to let go of something without a good return. But for sure. um, it's a garage sale in Utah for sure. For sure. For sure. For sure. All right, so that's the our wrap up of the first round matchups. Um, now let's let's quickly go into kind of the second round matchups here. Now it's gonna definitely be more eyes on the contenders. These are you know the next round, the best eight teams in the league. Uh, definitely more in depth analysis. You know more criticism of players, how they play. You know the, all eyes are on some of these guys now. So. Let's start with the 1-4 matchup. Miami Heat versus the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. I think the main uh, talking point for, for this series right now is injuries. Like you mentioned, Embiid has the, the eye contusion. He has a concussion. Lowry's out for game one with his hamstring injury. Um, I'm not sure of the status of Jimmy Butler. I think he should be playing game one here. But I think... Miami is just a, a better version of the Raptors. You know, just guys that can, you know, switch from one to four. Um, guys that can, you know, just lengthy dudes, PJ Tucker, Bam Adebayo, um, Jimmy Butler. So they got that same uh, type of defensive schemes. You know, great head coach and Spolstra who's been there. They got a lot of playoff experience. And then we saw with, you know, the 76ers, they got a great starting five. But a lot of a lot of it's gonna go down to um, if their bench can produce, especially with, or spe- especially in comparison to the Heat, when they got you know Tyler Hero coming off the bench, giving that spark um, offensively, and then having guys like Struess and Gabe Vincent and um, what's the what's the twins name? Uh, I forget the 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 one who's in Miami and then the other ones that that's Markeith. Uh, no, not Markeith. But oh, they all they also have Markeith. Yeah. I forgot that they have Markeith. But the other twin too, um, Cody is it? I forget his last name. But he's like a seventh or eighth man. But um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that series? Yeah, right now? You, you know they're going to be able to. Miami's going to be able to play James Harden a lot similar to how Toronto did. Um, obviously, not having Joel Embiid's a massive blow. Arguably the best player in the NBA this season. Um, I think this is going to be a sweep, especially with Joel Embiid potentially missing the first two games. I think Bam Adebayo is going to be at an all-you-can-eat buffet. Um, yeah, that's just how I see it. A sweep? Uh, I, w- I wouldn't say a sweep. I think, for, from what I've heard, Embiid can still play game three and four. I, th- I think it'd be a 4-1, 4-2. I, I, I still definitely favor the, the Heat in the series just because, again, we see Butler always playing above his regular season averages when, when he plays in the playoffs. And we know kind of the lockdown defender that he is. I think he, he's coming out for a bit of revenge here against uh, his old team. You know, he kind of knows uh, the guys uh, on the other bench, and he's going to go after that team. And just the shooting that the Heat have that the Raptors weren't able to really get. The Raptors shot so poorly in that first-round series, and we, we know guys like... Um, Hero, uh, Robinson can go off, and again, Strauss can go off. So if Lowry is playing game two and moving on to the series, I, I think the Heat definitely have a good chance because they have so many good shooters and so many good defenders. Yeah, I mean, between Butler and Tucker, um, I just think they have better perimeter defense 
than the Raptors had. Like, maybe not perimeter defense because we're very lengthy, very athletic, but they just have, like, they can match up with you one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't think I don't think guys like Maxi are going to have the coming-out party that they did in Toronto. Exactly. Um, so that's why I really do think it's going to be a sweep. I'll be interested cool. to see how this one plays out. Yeah, all right, let's see how that... They, they play tomorrow, right? They're the first game's tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, let's let's see how that one goes and uh, breaks down. Celtics and Bucks. That game just happened. Bucks won by like ten plus. Um, again, that series, the, the 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 biggest story in that series so far is Middleton being out for that whole series with an MCL sprain. So you know, surprising that the Bucks were able to um, steal Game One at the Garden. Um, so they definitely have home court now, but I'm sure adjustments will be made by Udoka and. That team, they're going to try to continue to stop Giannis at all costs and kind of let Drew Holiday, Portis, uh, Brooke Lopez, um, Connaughton kind of, you know, win the game for them. And that's how it should be. I think, you know, you you take out the best player and see what the other guys can do. And if you lose to those guys, you lose to those guys. But you got to do everything to double, give, you know, three, three bodies at Giannis at all times. And I think the Celtics can do that well and we, we saw what they did to to the Nets and KD um, kind of different you know stylistically between Giannis and KD but I, I think it really depends on how Drew Holiday plays in this series if, if, if it has come to that and then I yeah I, I just like what I'm seeing from both teams but yeah what are your thoughts on just this matchup and where do you think it's going to go well game one just happened and uh, if Giannis is going to average 24 13 and 12 then they're not going to be stopping him. A triple double. He had a triple double tonight, and I think actually stylistically this is a bad matchup for Boston, especially without Robert Williams, uh, because you know KD was a shooter. Um, yeah, he can take it to the hoop, but Giannis is going to brute force you to the basket all game long, and I think that's going to like that's going to be a lot of wear and tear on guys like Jalen Brown and Tatum. Like I don't, I think I think, I, I think he's good. They're going to be it's going to be like three guys like clinging on to him trying to stop him from getting to the basket. It's going to be very hard for them to do that. On the flip side, you know, I like Giannis and Drew Holiday on Tatum and Jalen Brown. Like I think that that's a that's a matchup nightmare for those two guys. Um, so Boston's definitely got their work cut out for them. Both teams are great defensively. So it's actually going to be an awesome like defensive matchup. Um Offensively, I'd say you know Boston has the upper hand with like their guard talent, but having guys like Drew Holiday and Giannis on the defensive end, um, you know, shutting those guys down is definitely going to favor Milwaukee. Uh, so they did take Game One. Giannis had a triple double, and if this is the way that he's going to play, completely unstoppable, then you know it doesn't look too good for Philly. Or sorry for Boston. Um, I see. I could see this one going six seven though, for sure. For me, I think it's still Celtics in in seven because they they do have Time Lord back. They do have him back. Yeah, yeah. He, okay. Yeah, he played today, um, but he, I think he's still getting back into it. I just think that they're they're gonna figure out how to take away Giannis, and I don't think Drew Holiday really has that offensive game to take over and score thirty plus in a game. Um, and I, I think that Celtics are just too deep. I know they didn't shoot really, like exceptionally well today but I just like what I saw with what they did with the Nets and I think if they can replicate that in some uh, you know some way I, I think it's definitely advantageous for them so I think even knowing that the Bucks won game one I think it's going to be Celtics in seven 
I was hoping that this would be the Eastern Conference Finals. You know, I think both yeah. both these teams have just been playing outstanding all season. Um, but yeah, it, it'll it'll be interesting. This is this this series is going to be an absolute bloodbath. I think Miami really lucked out getting Philly, yes. and I think that's going to be an easier road. And whoever comes out of that se- series, I think, is going to get a lot of rest going into the Eastern Conference Finals. I think these two teams are just going to just go blow for blow until the bitter end. Yeah, the Celtics, if they do make it to the finals, would would have had to beat the Nets, the Bucks, the Heat or the 76ers, and then probably the Suns or Golden State. Like you and know, it's you know, I think people were kind of sleeping on Giannis in a way this season. Just because there's so much attention on Jokic, there's so much attention on Embiid and even KD at times, like that like the lens was just focused on them for MVP race all season. Mm-hmm. And Giannis was just kind of doing his thing all season, dominating and kind of like, what the fuck? Like, what about me? This is gonna be one of those series where he can get back into the uh, back into the discussion for sure. Yeah, well, the last three season, MVP, MVP, finals, MVP, like Yeah. There's fatigue. There's fatigue. There's definitely fatigue. They did they just want something else to talk about now because But he hears it. I, I feel like he's very cognizant of that kind of sure. stuff and I think he wants to be he wants some respect on his name. One hundred percent. All right, on to the Western conference side of things. The Suns versus the Mavs. Matchup here between Chris Paul, Devin Booker against Luca and Jalen Brunson. Uh, I think it's it's a it's a it's a bit of an unusual matchup because Luca is such a such a you know a unique talent, especially being what six seven six eight being kind of how strong he is for his age, and just the rely like the the reli- reliability of all the players and what they need to get from him. Like this this series is going to go down to how the role players play because we know. How Luca, we know how Chris Paul, we know how Devin Booker are going to be playing. I think they're going to play up to that level that they need, but it's going to be if DeAndre Ayn is going to be able to, you know, play as well as Jalen Brunson, or if, um, you know, some of those guys are able to just, you know, have career games in crunch moments. I I, I think that's what the series will go down to. Obviously, the Suns are, I think, better better coached. They better they have a better roster. They have the experience of going to the finals last year, and you know they're being led by Chris Paul. But I think you can never count out Luca, and just what he's able to do. He can go off for 35, 40 any night, triple double, get guys involved, be a presence on the board. And I think the underrated thing here is the Mavs are a very good defensive team, very good defensive team under Jason Kidd. And yeah, we'll see how they perform with the Suns who kind of. We're a little taken back by the Pelicans, but I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be closer than than some people might think. Uh, but what are, what are your general thoughts on this series as it uh, starts tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, I'd like to give the Mavs the benefit of the doubt. You arguably have the best player in that series, yeah. which goes a long way at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen we've seen a one man band with Dallas before. Luca carrying them against the Clippers, taking them to seven. However, now he's got a lot more support. I just, I just don't think, like they had a lot of success guarding Gobert. It's not very hard to do in the playoffs. Um, you can kind of isolate him. I don't think you can do that with Aiden. I think that Aiden's going to be a crucial factor for Philly or for Phoenix in this series. And I think that he's going to, you know, he's going to have the opportunity to dominate. And uh, so for me, I have this Phoenix in five. I think, like I said, 
Um, they got battle-tested in that first round. I think that was very good for them because it, it made other guys step up and gain confidence. But now you got Booker back, and they just have a lot of pieces. I think, you know, Mikhail Bridges, Miles Bridges, Mikhail Bridges, Mikhael Bridges, Mikhael Bridges, yeah. Bridges, he's going to be on Luka. Luka. Yeah. And, you know, you can't shut Luka down, but you can certainly slow him down. And I think that Mikhail Bridges is kind of a nightmarish defender in the yes. sense that he's just very lengthy. And, um, yeah, I think that he's going to put a lot of wear and tear on Luka. So I just, I think, I think Phoenix got out of their adversity. If they can stay healthy, I just see them going through the West. And uh, I just don't see this series just being very close. Yeah, I think if you could pick one player to guard Luka from the entire league, it'd probably be Mikael Bridges. Yeah. The, the way that he defends the perimeter, the, the way that... Yeah, he was runner-up for Defensive Player of the Year in his, what, like third, fourth year in the league. So I just think it's a bad matchup for, for Luka, having to guard this guy. And he's playing so well, not only on the defensive side, but you know, he's not only getting that confidence, getting that momentum as an offensive player. So I think, I think I'll give the Maps one game here, but I think the Suns, um, just again, they're, they're warmed up now. They got their full roster. Chris Paul is probably confidence is sky, yeah, sky high. high, sky high right now, especially after a historic game six performance. So I, I'm uh, in agreement with you. I think five games, Suns take it. Yeah, cool. All right. Last one here, the game that's going on. Do you know the score for the Grizzlies and Warriors game that's going on right now? Yeah, it's currently... Is it a close one? It's close. It's third quarter, uh, 68-71 for Memphis. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Jaw has 23 points, five rebounds, four assists. Uh, Jared Jackson's got 17. He's clearly not in foul trouble. He's staying in the game. <laughs> no, that's, that's, a good, that's a good time for the Grizzlies, but they do have home court advantage. I think definitely helps for this young team. You know the, the that grind city that that you know that mentality that team is just one of those. What do they um, say? Whoop that trick. Yeah, that <laughs> one of those. <laughs> what they say after all their games. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's gonna definitely help. If they didn't have home court, I think this you know this definitely be a, a different type of series. But having home court, being able to possibly game win game one or two at home, and try to steal game three or four um, in Golden State. Uh, definitely a possibility, but you know what? What are your general thoughts here? We know we, we saw the Grizzlies have a bit of a battle with a with a younger Timberwolves team, Golden State. You know, kind of manhandling uh, Jokic and the Nuggets. But you know, what are your general thoughts? What are some of the key matchups were for this series? Yeah, I mean, it's this is probably the weirdest series for me, only because you know Memphis had that uncharacteristic series against Minnesota, and then Golden State kind of had a cakewalk because all they had to do was focus on Jokic. Yep. So I don't have a feel for either one of these teams, to be honest, because I just keep thinking back to the, sort of the end of the regular season for Golden State. There were so many health concerns. Um, Curry, you know, was starting to get back into back into his form. I just, I can't, I can't deny the championship DNA. Like, I'm just sort of erring on the side of Golden State because they've just been here before so many times. Mm-hmm. Um, this will be a true indication if Memphis has arrived or not. Um, but yeah, I, I really don't have a handle for I don't have a handle for this uh, for this series at all. You know, I would like to see Golden State just do what we've always known them to do. But uh, Memphis won the season series. They played gold. They match up with Golden State really well. And um, yeah, yeah, I think these two teams are pretty tightly like even. I think it's just the experience factor, like you said. I think Golden State has been through through the ringer. For the last five, six years. 
we, we know what Draymond can do. And if, if he's able to command on the defensive side, and if Jordan Poole, if Clay are, you know, are, we, we, know we, we know what Steph's going to be able to do. I think if we get Wiggins to, you know, play kind of up to the standard that he could play at. He's, he was a, like a all-star this year, right? And he's kind of just been kind of forgotten about because of how poorly he played in the second half. But he's always a factor. You know, he, his three-point shot has come a long way. He's still super athletic and a great defender. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm siding here on with the Warriors. I think they take it in six. I don't know what the, what the score is. I'm looking right at my phone and I'm laughing because it looks like Curry's hitting, heating up hard in this third quarter. What's yeah. he at? So now, now Golden State's up by three. Curry, I think Curry's got like 12 points to start the, four, the third quarter. Oh, it's, it's still pretty early in the third yeah. there? What, what are your predictions for this series? This series? Yeah. I think I think it's going to be Golden State in six. Six. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that was a lot to unpack. But, you know, the first round's out of the way now, so we can really focus on these next four series. And, you know, as we get into the conference finals and the finals, it's just going to be easier to really just um, go in-depth um, into the analysis. But, you know, I, I think the, the best eight teams are in the – uh, remaining in the playoffs all top four seeds from both conferences made it out so um, pretty indicative of how the regular season went compared to the the playoffs um, but yeah I think that's that's all we got here it's we you know broke down a lot of what we thought would happen in the first round and kind of gave you guys the the predictions and previews for second round matchups but Anything else you wanna you wanna add there? No, there's a lot of fun doing it in person. It's been it's been so long. So let's try to do one before you leave. I'm down. I'm down. Yeah, let's let's maybe watch a game too. Hundred percent. Yeah, let's let's figure it out. But um, yeah, this is so much better. I, yeah, I love it. It's person. so much better. It's, it's so much better. If the conversations just flow a little better, you know, I think we've absolutely gotten, we've gotten pretty good at doing it online. But this, yeah, just in can't person. Beat this. No, you can't beat this. But again, thanks you guys for listening. So nice to be back home. Be back in the shop, kind of where it's all started. So the real shop, not yeah. the barber shop, like <laughs> that other yeah, shop. The real shop. It's the real shop. <laughs> but yeah, let's uh, let's wrap it up. Let's let's head home. Let's let's catch the tail end of this game. And uh, yeah, I know you had a long weekend, so gave you some time back. And uh, appreciate um, appreciate you hosting and give me the time here. No worries, man. It was good doing this. Good yeah, to see you again. Sure. We'll be in touch, and we'll uh, we'll get together for the one more talk. All right, man. Take care.